Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to See Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm, grabs him by the shoulder pad, and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender, the whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. It was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports and click on tickets. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. Uh, I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News. Joined, as always, by Greg Talbot. Greg, how are you? I'm I'm doing about as good as the Eagles, Travis, which is pretty darn really good, well. man. Yeah, yeah doing really, pretty good. Really well. So, all right, let's jump right into our four downs, uh, reviewing the UMass win, the big UMass win for the Eagles. Um, I'll start first and say that Tyler Bass, the kicker for the Eagles, is a big, big weapon for Georgia Southern. Now, this isn't something that's new or that we didn't know before the season, but uh, Bass has been good. He had a 50-yard field goal in the latest Eagles win. Uh, five more touchbacks and seven kickoffs, Greg. Um, and as Lunsford always talks about, the field position game is so big for this team, um, big for any team, but, but especially big for this team given the offense that they run. Um, so Bass putting the ball in the end zone on kickoffs has been big for Georgia Southern and then putting the ball through the uprights on field goals. What was it, a 51-yarder? Yeah, 51-yarder, career high for, for Tyler Bass. So um, – that has provided them with a weapon. It's shortened the um, the field for the Eagles as well, and um, you know really helped the offense already through two games. You can tell that he's going to be a weapon this season. All right, my second down is the Georgia Southern defense being so darn impressive late in drives and in uh, when they're backed up against the red zone because. Uh, Travis, you've got the the final stats for this game in front of you. I believe they allowed what three hundred something yards of offense to UMass pushing 400 probably is yeah. my guess. Yeah, so they allowed 323 total yards of offense. Okay, but. so that's what I was thinking, mid-300s. But here's the thing, only one touchdown allowed mm-hmm. to the UMass offense. And this wasn't one of those games where UMass was shifting their two quarterbacks, Comus and Ford, back and forth. It was, it was Ford quarterbacking this entire game with the exception of one drive. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the history of UMass. He's now, really good. they didn't have Bilal Ali for some reason. We didn't find out why he was their leading rusher headed mm-hmm. into the game. But the Southern defense, it, it's not they didn't allow yards. They allowed yards, and UMass was able to march a decent amount down the field most of the times they touched the ball. Right. What the difference was was that Southern, when they were backed up against their own red zone, they did not allow squat i mean umass their one touchdown that wasn't a four passing touchdown for 20 yards they punched that one in from the two yard line on on a running play yeah. to, to jordan Fredrickson with their transfer running back from syracuse so i was blown away impressed by pretty much everything the southern defense did with the exception 
of guarding Andy Isabella, and you didn't allow him, <laughs> you didn't let him catch a touchdown. Uh, he's probably going to be one of those unsigned guys by the Browns or the Patriots in the NFL. You'll see him in camp next year. So mm-hmm. he's he's a guy that does project to an NFL slot receiver. So. You know, understandable that you let. I mean, what did make nine catches? So, yeah, nine for ninety-five. Yeah, I think. so I mean, he got open, but the fact that you didn't uh, allow a, a touchdown, a passing touchdown to UMass, uh, which runs one of the most uh, up-tempo, uh, prolific spread passing games in the country. You didn't allow a passing yeah. touchdown to them, especially after how weak the secondary was last year, especially in this game. Mm-hmm. The, the the turnaround from last year's game against UMass to this year's game against UMass, absolutely remar- remarkable. Yeah, 180 degrees from last year. They allowed 670 yards of offense to UMass last season. And then this year, like we said, only 323 yards. Greg, quickly, the one thing that stuck out to me on that is that the, on third downs, UMass in total was 5 of 13. They converted two of those five in the first drive of the game. So yep, that's right. On third downs, the Eagles were getting off the field, and obviously you guys don't need us to tell you how, how important that is. All right, my third down uh, takeaway from the UMass game is that Georgia Southern is going to take some shots downfield, it seems. Uh, I'm going to call them, start calling them big play shy because their passing downfield was pretty incredible to watch, honestly. I mean, 26 yards per completion. For Wirtz and company, we know Wesley Kennedy had a big game, three for 92, um, including two on one drive that were that were just really big plays. I know at the end of the first half, Munsford said that they didn't know if they wanted to go into the two-minute drill or not, so they wanted to start the clock and get one first down and then head right into the two-minute drill. When they went into the two-minute drill just prior to halftime and they ended up punching it in. Yeah, that was sexy, wasn't it? I mean, that, that was a sexy yeah. drive. No, no, that, that was, was a blue sexy collar. drive. It was blue collar. You can't call this team sexy because Lunsford won't let us. No, but that was a sexy drive. <laughs> yeah. You you can call the rest of that game not sexy. That was a sexy drive. Yeah, and and really it was surprising because you look at that and you're thinking, well, maybe they can get in a field goal range maybe, because they're getting the ball after sec- in the second half. But The thing that was so great about that drive and like – yeah, it was that they went to Wesley on two plays. That right. was cool. But the, the more impressive pass to me was the first of the two, where Shy looked like Aaron Rodgers throwing to Geronimo Allison on Sunday. He placed that ball right on the sideline yeah. where nobody Wes could get to it, and he fell out of bounds and made the catch. I couldn't believe Shy made that throw. I couldn't believe he attempted the throw, yeah. and then but he put it right on, you know, right where it had to be for that play. And and if you were at the game, I'm sure you remember. This play, if not, you can, I'm sure, check it out on ESPN Plus on the replays. But it was, You remember it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, remember This it. was something else. So that drive stood out for me. And just the fact that, I mean, even if you're not completing a lot of these passes downfield, the fact that they're attempting them changes the offense entirely, and it adds a completely different dimension. So that's a big takeaway for me. Well, so uh, staying exactly on what you just said, how you said to Travis that there seemed to be a new element to the offense – I kind of did a little bit of math in my head because entering the so we get we're lucky enough because as you listening now at home you listen to this podcast uh, you know that I broadcast the games on ESPN Plus I'm the the play by play guy for Southern's home games on the TV stream and we get to have weekly coaches meetings we get mm-hmm. to talk with Bob DeBass offensive coordinator Scott Sloan defensive coordinator and then 20 minutes with Chad entering week one against South Carolina State we we straight up asked Bob DeBass. Coach, how much of your offense do you have installed? He said about 30%. We talked to him this week. Well, last week, rather. 
and said, Coach, you know, it's been a week. How much of the offense do you have installed? He said, oh, about 40%. I'm like, okay. And either that means they had a big chunk of the passing game installed before the South Carolina State game, and we just didn't need to see it because they rolled. Right. Or what they worked on last week was just all this passing game, which spread it out because there were, I mean, if. We saw so many different looks. We saw a flex bone. We saw fully loaded four guys in the backfield. We saw a pistol. Like Mm -hmm. We saw so many looks. And if that's only 40% of the offense, Bob DeBess is going to have this team back to leading the country in rushing yards before we know it. Yeah, and apparently the passing game lives in that 31% to 40%. That was what I was saying. They just worked (laughs) on passing last week, maybe. Yeah. So uh, maybe the Eagles will become just a five-wide spread-it-out passing team by the end of the week. I'm sure the fan base would love that based on the message boards. No, no, no. We don't want that. No. All right. So, yeah, let's start getting into a little bit more. Specific. Well, Travis, I have a fourth down. What are you zooming oh, by me down. for, buddy? Go ahead. Fourth down, Greg. Fourth I'm down. sorry. I'm sorry. We're not going for it on fourth. Okay. Uh, I, I can make it quick because it's kind of related to what we just talked about. Uh, the difference between week one and week two on the offensive line was so encouraging to see yeah. for Southern because the fact of the matter was that South Carolina State game – they gained a lot of yards, but most of the yards they gained were pitches along the outside or option keepers yeah. along the outside that Wurtz kept and, and took 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, anyone who, who knows anything about football is watching that game, who knows anything about the option offense, knows about Southern. They were like, oh, this isn't going to last because every rushing play up the middle, all the dives are going for two yards, and that's not going to cut it. Right. But... Even right away, this last game, in the first quarter, they were giving it to to Wesley Fields and Monteo Garrett, uh, and they were picking up six or seven yards on the dives. Mm -hmm. And entering the game, I talked to Bob DeBess. I said, what's the number one thing your offense needs to work on this week? He said, we need to make it a threat that we're going to run up the middle so teams can't just seal the edge and anticipate the option and run along the outside. The fact that they are able to pick up significant yards up the middle on the dive of the option, that makes the defense respect the outside. And when you have the defense spread out like that and not really knowing what you're going to do, that is how you continue to move the ball down the field in the option offense. So uh, Southern fans should be really happy that something changed on the offensive line that allowed them to pick up yards going up the middle. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, it's worth mentioning. We've been a little... I don't know if we've been harsh on the offensive line, but we've been paying attention closely, and I think deservedly so. There were a lot of question marks. And and that doesn't mean that we don't think this offensive line is going to be good. That, just an experience. Yeah, an experience. So so every game, you know, that's going to be a spot you have to look at. And obviously that, that spot, that position group, is going to determine a lot for Georgia Southern and how successful they are. Um, now we can move on. Yeah, now we can move on after all four downs. All right, so let's get into Clemson a little bit. Um, just some numbers here uh, that I found interesting heading into this game this week. Georgia Southern is number one in the country in rush play percentage, so the percentage of plays that they're running the ball rather than passing. Um, 86% of the time, Georgia Southern's rushing the ball. Um, 341 yards per game is number four in the country. Uh, 6.2 yards per rush is number 16 in the country. So countering that, uh, Clemson is allowing 2.2 yards per rush. Now, this is the Furman game mixed into their stats, so that's um, you know a disclaimer there. But 2.2 yards per rush as compared to 6.2 that Georgia Southern is averaging. Something's going to have to give there. We know that. 
Um, they're allowing Clemson's allowing seventy one yards per game. That's it. So not a lot of uh, rushing yards allowed thus far. Seventy one allowed and three hundred forty one average for Georgia Southern. Something we'll have to give there. Greg, if you had to put a number on it, over under, um, say twelve passes pass attempts for Shy Wertz, what do you think this week? Because, hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be a tall task to ask this team to be able to have a lot of success running a straight up the middle. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and I know you and I will get into the, the matchups of this game in a second here. I would say, yeah, we'll probably see about 10 and 15 passes. God, maybe even more. Just because, well, let, let's get into it now. Clemson yeah. has the best front four. In America, mm-hmm. they have three future first-round draft picks on their offensive line. Three. And yeah. I think one or two of them is going to be in the top ten is what mm-hmm. I heard. Yeah. So, going up the middle. Defensive line. Yes, yeah, sorry, on the defensive, yeah, defensive line. line. Yeah, yeah, they have the best defensive line in the country. Three out of four first-rounders, and two out mm-hmm. of those three are going to be in the top ten. I feel like that is going to create absolute havoc. I think Shy is probably going to have to do a lot of what he did in that South Carolina State game, which is just run and try to get first downs and try not to get injured. And I think DeBess is going to have a couple more passing formations and passing plays drawn up just because you can almost count on what they're going to do on first down. Whenever they get the ball back, is probably go up the middle. That's right. probably not going to do much. You need to spread the field and be willing to, to throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, this, you know, everything we say about this game is going to be, you know, Assuming we play it, by the way. Yeah, assuming we play it, and we're recording this, um, as always, on Wednesday afternoon, so a lot could change with Hurricane Florence um, between now and then. But all of this is predicated on someone for Georgia Southern, especially offensively, having a huge game. I mean, I think that if you want this game to be competitive in the second half, someone like Wirtz or Fields, maybe even Kennedy, Garrett, someone's going to have to have a career-type game uh, to keep Georgia Southern in it. But um, you what's know, the spread right now? It's like thirty I think points. Thirty, yeah, I think it's thirty-four and a half right yeah. now. Yeah. And you know, I'll go on record saying that I'm confident Georgia Southern has the ability to cover thirty-four points against anyone. But I think Clemson also has the ability to blow people out by more than thirty-four well, at any time. So. You and I have talked already this year, looking down the schedule at what matchups are not good for them. We talked about how Troy's not a good match for them. A, and then Clemson yeah. is Troy on steroids. Yeah, this is about, I mean, you're going against a team that prides itself on stopping the run. So, you know, immediately that's not a key. You it's know, not, not ideal. For Georgia Southern. Not ideal. No, but, you know, this team has been good at passing it. They're number one in the Sun Belt passing efficiency. Um, you know, only 16 attempts clearly last in that category in the Sun Belt. But, but they have the ability to move the ball um, and they have the ability to convert on third down. So those two things obviously will go a long way in helping them stay in the game this week. We know the Georgia or the Clemson has their two quarterback system, but it seems to be. And Greg, I don't know how much of the Texas A and M Clemson game you've got to see. Um, I was a little. The, I was a little busy. Yeah, you're a little busy calling the game, but I've, I've seen uh, some of the replays and some of the highlights from that game um, and watched the whole first quarter on Sunday, so I, I think that Kelly Bryant is pretty much the mainstay at this point with Trevor Lawrence just mixing in. Um, I, for me, though, they don't really offer too much of a different skill set that Georgia Southern needs to really 
prepare differently for each quarterback. I mean, I think you can kind of hone in on Kelly Bryant and then, you know, just uh, play it by ear when, when Trevor Lawrence comes in the game. But the defense, obviously, the secondary is going to be tested with Brinson and Vildor. I'm excited to see what these guys are going to do, and I know they're excited to get a chance to play in front of 80,000 on ESPN, too. Well, and, and what a great challenge for this defensive secondary mm-hmm. because, I mean, let's be real. The, the guy who's actually going to be – the most battered and beaten after this game is probably Shywertz. Yeah. Um, Shy had a similar game last year when he opened his college career and his season as the redshirt freshman quarterback at Auburn. He got sacked six times, went four for eight passing for a total of four yards. Not ideal. Uh, yeah, I think he'll be better this time, but this year's Clemson front seven is also even better than last year's Auburn front seven. Mm-hmm. So I, I am intrigued to see what Shy is going to do. I am really excited to see what kind of attack Scott Sloan in the secondary has. Because, yeah. again, I mean, UMass and Clemson, that's not a, a good comparison in terms of the, the guys and the skill level mm-hmm. of the UMass and Clemson mm-hmm. wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. But I the fa- I still can't believe they only gave up one offensive touchdown to UMass. It so, was super impressive. Yeah, so I, I think this defensive secondary for Georgia Southern has some real heart and real fight in them. Yeah, and their experience too. I mean, I don't, Georgia Southern, especially defensively, is not going to be intimidated going in, going into this game. I mean, they know and they're aware, and Lunsford has said that he's not going to tell the guys what their why is, why they're, you know, why they're motivated for any game or why they're motivated for the season. That's on them to decide for themselves. The why for Georgia Southern in this game is pretty obvious to me. I mean, you get a big, big-time opportunity on national TV in front of 80,000, in front of you know one of the premier teams in America. And you get to see how you stack up heading into your bye week and then heading into the all-important Arkansas State game. You get to see how you stack up, and, and there are positives that can be taken away from this game without a win. Greg, you would agree with me on that, right? Yeah, I think as long as you quit yourself better than you did against Auburn last year, that's yeah. a win. If you can move the ball, I, even if Southern only scores a touchdown on offense, if you can move the ball, if you can convert on third down, yeah, that's big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, and it'll go a long way to kind of... And even if you just cover, there's something to that too. Yeah, yeah, especially for those people taking their cover, so yeah. that would be big for them. Um, Greg, any other notes for you as far as... Uh, personnel for Georgia Southern I did want to touch middle linebacker Todd Bradley is back from injury um other another injury note Ellis Richardson was a late scratch for last week's game yeah I was gonna say though Cam Brown caught a touchdown and caught another pass so Cam Brown even though he's a backup tight end was was catching passes to our surprise and looked pretty good doing it yeah perhaps maybe now there's another weapon I you know I don't well I don't want to say weapon but another option for where it's, um, they've already got eight, they've already got eight, eight pass catchers. I mean, I guess they're going to go for nine now because yeah. it, based on how easy he looked to cut a touchdown, I think you have to use him. Yeah, you have to. I mean, at least now you know he's capable. Of, now you have stuff laid out on film right. that he's capable of going out on routes. Um, Todd Bradley's back, as you said, a middle linebacker. Uh, Rashad Bird will miss the first half because of that targeting penalty. I guess if you want to get into that, Greg. Yeah, we were watching. I mean, so I don't know how much you listening at home know about the setup of a TV broadcast, but we have two TV monitors in front of us. We also have a big TV on that Georgia Southern broadcast booth, so we are able to watch on the small screen, watch on the big screen, and then watch on the scoreboard. Three screens, man. I know. Modern technology, man. What are you going to do? 
But we watched it on the small screen and then the big screen and the scoreboard. And the pro- the reason that wasn't targeting is because it was the running back, Young, who lowered his right. helmet. Yeah. He lowered his helmet. The fact that they called that on Bird, I mean, I, I, I hit the talk back button, so I was talking to the producer of the game mm-hmm. and not the audience. I was like, that's BS. Yeah. Well, we just couldn't believe that the referees, after we'd all seen the same video, I don't know how they called that because... It was Young who lowered his helmet, not Bird. It was strange to me. It's the first time I've seen, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Greg. It's the first time I've ever seen a targeting called after reviewing the replay instead of immediately on the field. So the penalty... Well, especially after earlier in the game, they... They, 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 t- they rescinded t- t- the UMass. Well, yeah, the yeah. UMass was called for targeting, and they took it back. I... I don't think the UMass call should have been targeting. I'm no. glad they reversed that, but I certainly don't think Birds was either. I think that was a, that was a bad, bad call. It's a touchy subject, and I think for the majority of people watching football, they don't like it. I, I get the sentiment, and I understand what you know the NCAA and and, and the NFL as well what they're trying to do. Um, just the them putting it into practice has not gone well, and it doesn't and it doesn't look good when the referees don't call it on the field. And then you go look at it in a slow replay, it looks even more obvious. And then they make the call for calling it targeting. It stinks for Rashad Bird, who's from South Carolina, has probably looked forward to this game for a long time. Um, at least he'll be back in the second half. What's wrong, Travis? You're not excited to see the NFL and the rest of college football start to look like the Big 12? I am not. I am not. I'm not <laughs> excited about that at all. Um, yeah, so, and then Alice Richardson, Lunsford has said he expects him to play this week. Uh, so expect him to be back at the tight end position. Um, I'm looking through the depth chart now. I don't really see much, many other changes. Um, number one at right guard this week is Jacob Cooper. Brian Miller still at right tackle. We know Rainey at center. Um, Aaron Dowdell, the transfer, has been pretty good, I think, at left guard. And then Colbreth, the mainstay at left tackle. Speaking of the depth chart, you know who looked pretty good this week catching passes was Colby Ransom. In the first two games, I think mm-hmm. he's got now, what, three passes? I don't yeah. think I was expecting him to be... I mean, he he might be right now their leading receiver in I terms think of so, yeah. passes caught. Yeah, I think I so. I was not expecting that. No, I don't think anyone was. A former walk-on, Ransom's been really, really, really good, and uh, the whole receiving, the whole receivers group has been super good, and and then Kennedy in the slot as well. Hey guys, it's Will Peebles with Savannah Morning News. Taking a quick break from this episode of Georgia Southern Extra to remind you that all things Savannah News can be found on savannahnow.com. If you're looking to find out about Georgia Southern, uh, you can read Travis's articles. If you're looking to learn about this huge hurricane hurtling towards the coast at the time of this episode's release, well, we got tons of information on that too. Uh, Just head on over to savannahnow.com and check it out. And hey, if you're looking for something to do in Savannah on a week, and with perhaps less inclement weather, then you can find that on DoSavannah.com. It's super easy. Just type in www.DoSavannah.com slash calendar, and you can see all of our community curated calendar events. And guys, now I'm going to return you to this episode of Georgia Southern Extra, in which Travis talks to Kelly Gramlich and William Quackenbush from Out of Bounds, a show on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Uh, William Kelly, thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you guys? We're doing good. Staying dry for the most part up here. Yeah, for now, I know that hurricane's on its way. It seems like it's getting worse and worse every day. Um, so, yeah, what we want to do is just 
kind of preview Clemson for Georgia Southern fans and um, give Georgia Southern fans an idea as to what they are up against this Saturday. Obviously, for Georgia Southern, this is kind of a unique game. Um, not really a lot of comparisons as far as the caliber of players, but can you guys give us kind of Clemson's mindset for Georgia Southern after two games um, coming off of the Texas A&M game that was really a four-quarter battle for them? Yeah, I mean, uh, that was when he told us that uh, he, he has a lot of respect for Georgia Southern. He actually said that he spent a lot of time in Statesboro when he was an assistant at Alabama and recruited that area, and he, he's always respected the tradition at Georgia Southern and, and the, the passion that people have for football there. He talked about it uh, actually at length, and, and so he has a great deal of respect for the program and, and understands the strides that have been made in the last handful of games dating back to the middle of last year where uh, obviously it's, it's, it's clear to the naked eye that Georgia Southern is, is uh, coming back to where it, uh, where it used to be. And, and certainly Dabo, a little more familiar from his recruiting time with them as an FCS power, but now having moved to FBS. So there's a great deal of respect. And this is not a game that is going to, um, that, that is going to be sort of a, a looked-over game, at least from a coaching standpoint. Um, and that was clear. Um, as far as the, the mentality of the program is concerned, uh, Dabo told us today that, you know, he'd be, he'd almost in one breath he would say, you know, it was a disappointing game with a million mistakes and a lot to coach from. And then in the same sentence almost, like the very next breath, he would talk about how proud he was of his team and how hard they fought and, you know, overcoming adversity and those types of things. And uh, in some, I mean, sometimes he did, it didn't even make sense. He'd be very critical of the, the way that his team didn't execute basic stuff. And then on the, the other hand, he would be praising them for the way they, you know, overcame some of those things and made the critical plays. And so it's an interesting time. I think Dad will understand that games like what happened at, in College Station, they have to happen. Um, they're, they're inevitable when you're going through a 12-game schedule, and particularly in that first road game. And so with that over with, with that behind him in the rearview mirror, I think um, they're, they're kind of just looking to coach off that film and then uh, kind of looking to use Georgia Southern, not really as a tune-up for Georgia Tech, but treating this two-week period as an opportunity to go up against different types of option, to work on eye discipline, getting calls right, being um, you know, being a little more sound in terms of the little things and the details on the defensive end, and then offensively to continue to, to show some explosiveness. Um, uh, he, he gave us that today that, they, uh, they, they had only 11 plays of 40 or more yards from scrimmage all last year in 14 games, and they've already got six in two games this year. So it's a much more explosive offense, and, and he seems to think that it's going to be tested by Georgia Southern's defense. He said it's uh, only given one play over 20 yards all year. So I think uh, he's pretty interested to see how the team responds, and, and after listening to him talk about it, I'm very intrigued about this matchup as well. A lot of coaches will say that 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 they're you know they're treating this game like every other game. You guys believe Dabo and that and that he thinks that this will be a real test for his team. Well, I think so. And look, Dabo um, sometimes can be accused of using coach speak. Well, <laughs> but um, he really does preach that no matter which game it is. He said the same stuff about Furman. He said the same stuff about South Carolina. He treats every week as you know a one week season is what he was referring to, but. Mm-hmm. I do think the respect for Georgia Southern is there. There's no doubt. Um, and also, a team like Troy, two years ago, came into Clemson, the year Clemson won the national championship, and pushed the Tigers. Clemson only won that game 30-24. to So that's not far removed from Davos Sweeney's memory as well. So 
uh, for some parallels between these two programs, like I said, I mean, there probably aren't too many, but I know when um, Sweeney took over the Clemson program, he was talking a lot about a culture change and kind of a change in the mentality and a change in the way they go about things on and off the field. Chad Lunsford, the head coach at Georgia Southern, is currently doing the same thing. And, and the sample size is small. It's only been two games, but it seems to be taking hold and it seems to be working. When you guys were there and you saw you know, this quote-unquote quote culture change taking place, um, how did the Clemson fan base react to that culture change taking place? And then how did you guys react? Did you... Did you guys and, and then the team also buy into uh, Sweeney's culture change immediately? Well, that's an interesting question, and I, I would address this kind of a long answer, but um, I, I can address it this way. I think what's going on at Georgia Southern right now and what is happening here with, with Dabo and Clemson are a little bit different things. Um, in my lifetime, I've been uh, in and around Clemson my whole life, and I've been going to games since I was three months old, and so I've seen a lot of football. And I can remember when Tommy Bowden was hired in 1999, Clemson had just gone 3-8. and eight. Um, And it kind of cratered a little bit. It had gone from, uh, from anger to apathy. And so that, that's sort of what's happening at Georgia Southern right now, from, to, to my understanding, is that there was a point of rock bottom where you're like, gosh, you know, this, this can't get any worse. And then so the new hire gets to come and basically build it from the ground up. When Dabo Swinney came in, he was on the staff with Tommy Bowden um, since, uh, two, from 2003 to 2008, mid-season, when he was elevated to interim coach. And the culture wasn't really broken as much as just not whole. And they yeah. didn't have that extra little bit to be able to, uh, to be able to say, you know, like in 2007, you're ahead in the fourth quarter at home against Boston College, and BC comes back and beats you, and you, just, you hadn't won an Atlantic division. Then 2008, you had a bunch of guys back, and then they struggled um, to, I believe, a 3-3 three and three record um, through the first six games. And then Dabo Swinney came over and took them to 4-2 and two and, and to the Gator Bowl. So there, there, was a lot, there was a lot there to work with still. He wasn't building from the ground up. But what he did was, as he was building, he learned from his mistakes. So he made an offensive coordinator change in 2011. After a 2010 season, that song goes 6-7, and seven, kind of squandered an athlete like C.J. Spiller and some really good pieces. They had a great defense with a bunch of guys. Some of them are still playing in the NFL. And, uh, and, and so he basically overhauled the whole offensive staff. And since that point, everything has seemed to sink in a little more. I don't think there was ever an issue with the players buying in. I don't think there was an issue with the fans buying in. His first game, uh, he gave all the players little uh, poker chips and asked them to put him into a big bin that he had outside the locker room. And you could see them from my spot in the press box putting them in one by one. And that came against Georgia Tech in 2008. He got to the top of the hill. I'll never forget, he got to the top of the hill. He kissed the rock. He pointed to the sky. And he kind of felt like a lot of people fell in love with him that day. He beat South Carolina that first year. They chanted his name. Uh, Terry Down Phillips, the athletic director at the time, uh, certainly heard that and hired him. And so, you know, there were a lot of things along the way, points along the way where the thing could have faltered. And you guys know this. I mean, a, a great culture that's been built over time. I know Coach Fritz was there uh, uh, before he uh, left for Tulane. But, and you see how quickly it can be destroyed and it can be torn down. And then you have to build it up brick by brick again. And, you know, that kind of happened at Clemson in the 90s. But I think it's a little different this time. And Dabo had a lot of good players to work with, many of whom he had recruited over time. And so it wasn't a from-the-ground-up rebuild. It was more tacking on the necessary pieces to make Clemson into a national powerhouse. 
Right, and he's certainly done that um, quickly up there in Clemson. Let's jump in real quick into the Clemson, um, Georgia Southern X's and O's. If you're a team facing this Clemson defensive front, what advice would you give an offense facing them besides um, good luck? <laughs> well, good luck. I think luck is, is encouraged there. Honestly, and this is going to sound um, maybe a little controversial, but what A&M did in many ways um, is hold. <laughs> so if, if that's what Georgia Southern's <laughs> offensive line is going to try to do, then maybe that's the way to do it. But realistically, I think the way to do it, and one thing A&M did really well is to get the ball out quick. That's one thing Callum Mom did at times, get the ball out quick, use the screen game, um, and then, you know, just hope your quarterback can use his escapability in some ways. Of course, with Georgia Southern, it's a little different with the triple option. Um, I think it's, a, it's just a whole different mindset when you're attacking with the option like Georgia Southern will. Um, but I think you have to hope that your offensive line can create some holes for those running backs and just kind of take your licks and go up against the big boys, see what happens. Um. All right, yeah, I think that's it for us. We'll wrap up here today. Greg, do you have any other closing things? Yeah, um, so this is going to come out when? Thursday noon? When is this podcast going to drop, Travis? Uh, this afternoon, Wednesday This afternoon, afternoon okay, yeah. Wednesday afternoon. Um, I would be uh, monitoring Twitter. Assuming you have Twitter, you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. You're pro- you probably have Twitter. You're an up-to-date person in 2018. I, I get one. I, you, you need to be monitoring Hurricane Florence here because, and I don't mean to say this to scare anyone, but I work at a news station. We have a whole meteorology team, and the 11 a.m. Wednesday track here is that it's going to hit North Carolina tomorrow on Thursday. The latest track has it spinning. The eye is going to stay off the coast, and it's just going to stay there and pummel North Carolina for two days. Mm-hmm. And then it has it drifting down the coast southwest to us and then moving inland. So... With that in mind, I just checked Twitter before we started recording, Travis. Clemson is is adamant they want to play this game on Saturday. Sure. Uh, I don't know how Southern plans on getting there because their initial travel plan was to leave Friday morning. Uh, Friday morning, that you don't want to be driving That's through that. Option, so, maybe, yeah. so maybe they drive tomorrow. And again, just check Twitter and stuff to, to find it out. But they've already canceled or moved the two games in the state of South Carolina for this weekend. The two that haven't been moved are South Carolina and Clemson because they don't want to, well, Clemson wants to play and Southern doesn't want to not go. I mean, what's the payday for this game? Probably five point. It's well, it's 1.1 million. Is it off, a million? It's yeah. 1.1 million off of that. And then Georgia Southern gets an allotment for ticket sales as well. So they so. get a million dollars for the seat. Southern Southern wants to play this game just not only because they want to get on national TV and, and try to prove themselves, but this is also a, a million dollar payday. Knowing what we know about how they're still paying Tyson Summers, mm-hmm. and that's not cheap. Yeah, I would say Tom Kleinlein and Southern wants to play this game as much as Clemson wants to play yeah. this game. So I think unless they get feet of rain in Clemson and lightning and and crappy weather headed their way from Florence. I bet we're still going to play this game. Yeah. Uh, it could be adjusted time-wise, but, I mean, this game is going to be played. Yeah, yeah, it's too big a payday for Southern, and Clemson wants to play, especially considering how much Dombo Sweeney says they want to improve uh, after their win. But he still, this the, still the biggest game of the yeah, year. Yeah, still not a perfect performance against Texas A&M over the weekend. So monitor Florence, have an understanding that although it's not going to be a cap four if it gets to us, it might be, you know, a tropical storm or a cat one. Mm-hmm. And not to scare anyone, I don't think people realize that the damage that happened to Savannah when Matthew came two years ago, 
That was really just a cat one. Like Hilton, one. Hilton Head got a two. Savannah got a one. So people who are saying, oh, it's just going to come down the coast. Like, yeah, it's going to weaken. It'll weaken to a cat one. Guess what? Matthew is a cat one. So stay updated. I'll make the pitch. Uh, follow Chris Allred and Kyle Dennis and the rest of the WSAV Storm Tracker mm-hmm. team on Twitter. We've got the best in the Savannah market. We do have the best meteorologists. They are constantly on Facebook and Twitter. So follow them. Stay updated. Uh just to be honest with you, I packed a bag this morning. I think we might be getting off sports for the weekend and covering the hurricane for news like we've done the last two years. So if it is going to drift down the coast toward us, pack a bag, have a plan in place, not to be a Debbie Downer. Please be safe about this. Just pack a bag and have a plan. Right. Yeah. Obviously, safety is the key. Um and while you're evacuating or going wherever you're going, if you're going somewhere this weekend. Maybe you're going to Clemson. Storm, yeah. Turn this podcast on and listen to the older episodes. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports for all of our Georgia Southern coverage. Um, we do have a weather alert podcast as well. So savannahnow.com slash podcast for that. And we'll be back next week, guys. Go Eagles.